Our day starts with the soft-boiled egg of our bodies oozing out of bed. We both decided the best thing we could do for our love was get separate blankets so we aren't so hard-boiled. Eggs give me the ick these days, but for breakfast, I made us both an over-easy bagel sandwich topped with a bushel of dill. My favorite part of the year is when we plan our spring garden. Last week, we went to the garden center to pick out seeds, a balance of things to keep fresh on our sandwiches and vegetables to pickles that were fed through the stick season. I am grateful for this love. Our love is a seedling I thought wouldn't sprout because of harsh conditions. I was the harsh conditions. I should probably apologize for when my body feels like a house fire. I'm sorry you got a, three deg a third degree burn that one time, but I heard aloe vera is good for aftercare. I have a pot of it in every room. There are so many plants our love gnaws on. I ask you if you like dill on top of our meals because I swear you told me once you did it and now I have to double check every time. By the end of the day, we're hard boiled again. The arugula of our minds are wilted, but we make a salad of love anyway. We are bags of greens we don't let spoil at the bottom of the fridge. Hello, little gay okay, people in our house. Okay, that was pretty good. I <laughs> that was good. <laughs> hello, hello, everyone. I am Leslie. My pronouns are she, her. Hey, yeah. Um, <laughs> my name is Glory, and my pronouns are she, they. Uh, welcome to Little Gay Library, a podcast for bookish gays by literature lesbians. Um, join us as we um read queer books and from <laughs> the queer book world i forgot i forgot our little thing for no you were doing so good you had it join us as we oh my god join us as we talk about queer books and join us as... oh join us as we talk about our career Welcome to Little Gay Library, a podcast for bookish gays by literature lesbians. Join us as we talk about our current queer reads and important news from the book world. Boom. Nailed it. Um, hi, everyone. We are super, super excited for our episode today. We had the honor of interviewing um, Sam Slupski. They are a queer non-binary writer and creator from the Midwest um and we spoke to them about their book until tender poems essays and recipes out now by game over books until tender the debut poetry collection of midwest writer sam slupski invites readers to join sam for supper those who delve hungrily into these poems will be met with the acidic difficulty of reflect reflecting on a tumultuous childhood as well as the sweet buttery balm of a queer adult celebrating the love they have found. This collection offers a home-cooked medley of works for those raised on frozen dinners. Slupski has written what they needed to hear, as a child, as an adult, as someone with an empty bowl starving for seconds. Each reader is served a content heart, belly, and spirit, as Slupski abundantly offers nuance to their own narrative. One day, despite the salt we are born from, we can learn to lavishly enjoy good food and better company. Learning to cook is an act of love, and Slupski has copious love to give. And without further ado, please enjoy our interview with Sam Slupski. Bam. 
and we're live <laughs> let's go hello hello thank you so much for joining us sam Woo! i'm so excited to be here yes okay i'm gonna kick it off to glory to like start us off okay so first off i want to say congrats on the new book and on your like tour that you're going on um i really loved just reading this it was very um it felt like i was with talking with a friend while reading it it was just very good um one of my favorite poems was gonna be uh ode to pop music um it felt i felt really it was really relatable to me um especially being someone that did listen to a lot of like sad music the past few years and finally letting myself enjoy like uh pop music um but yeah, my question was like, what pop albums are being played during your writing process for Until Tinder? Yeah, um, you know, it's funny because the majority of the book that I, the, the majority of the book, I was like not listening to pop music. Like a lot of this book was written um, like pre-pandemic. And mm. that was like when I was in the thick of listening to like, you know, Fright and Rabbit bright eyes death cab for cutie um you know mm-hmm. keaton henson just like a lot of like tallest man on earth like folky sad mm-hmm. men playing a guitar <laughs> and mm-hmm. i was like you know it it definitely like served me and then in 2020 um i like really struggled listening to like sadder music because i was like i'm already yeah. um I don't need to be sadder and luckily Taylor Swift uh released an album called Folklore and while it was still sad it was like my entry point into um pop music and Mm. um because really like I just didn't really listen to a lot of pop music so really it was like once that door was open to me, then it was like Taylor Swift, big reputation fan over here. Um, <laughs> and then Harry Styles' new um, album came out. And so I was listening yes. to a lot of Harry Styles. And um, and then, you know, Sour from Olivia Rodrigo came yeah. out. Like, and so it was just like a lot of like new pop music that I was just listening to. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I shamelessly will say that just like a lot of Taylor Swift, it truly, um, the, the back end of this book, I was just like listening to so much Taylor Swift and like Doja Cat and, um, some Beyonce and like, yeah, just, but just a lot of Taylor Swift. <laughs> uh, amazing. <laughs> yeah. Do you have, do you have plans to go to the Eras tour or have you been already? I already did and it was very ah, fun yes I'm going next year with my mom I'm really excited <laughs> it was like, I like I'm not a big uh like concert person in general and I mm-hmm. actually didn't buy the tickets one of my friends did mm-hmm. um and I didn't even know I like stadium things are just like not really my vibe and so I wasn't sure if I was gonna go but I'm really glad I did because it was really fun and I was like I feel like a part of something like bigger weirdly no <laughs> that's like, all probably yeah <laughs> yeah yeah the swift yeah. decal <laughs> it's it goes deep I'm I'm yeah. trapped yeah oh I love that yeah. um yeah okay did you do you have any follow-up score 
no, that's it. I think, oh, also I wanted to mention that Leslie and I are very, we're former Harry Stan Twitter users, current, currently just loving him from afar, but we were in the trenches back then. We uh, were deep <laughs> in the trenches. <laughs> I was kind of how we to love a little bit. Oh, I love that. <laughs> Did y'all go to Love on Tour? Not, I went to Live on Tour like in 2018, but not the recent. Shows. Oh, Wow. Same same here. <laughs> I uh like pre-COVID had bought tickets and then mm-hmm. um I sold them like yeah. once he toured again. And then I like avoided like TikTok or anything. Anytime a reel would come up on Instagram, I'd be like, I don't wanna I wanna watch Yeah, it. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he and he also just kept changing the shows, like the dates, which I understand, but I was like, I can't like keep waiting. So I just like sold them. But yeah. Love I him. Like, uh, I got bills to pay. Yeah, literally. Exactly <laughs> that. Yeah. <laughs> um. Cool. Okay. Um. My question for you, Sam, is so obviously a major theme of Until Tender is food. Um. And one of my favorite poems is a patron saint of cooking vegetables for my friends. Um. Love that. Um. And yeah, I think you like also talked about um, growing up on Hamburger Helper and and uh, yeah. So I, I guess I'm just wondering like how your relationship with food has changed through the years, mm-hmm. and then um, like what your healing journey with food and cooking has looked like. Yeah, yeah, that's a beautiful question. Um, you know, I feel like so much about like my relationship to food as a kid was just simply around survival um you know like I I grew up in a low-income home and um you know we went to a lot of like food pantries and um you know just were like eating what was available to us and we were on food stamps and um you know there was just a a eating food and like cooking was just so much about like convenience and accessibility um and you know like it was just like a survival thing and then kind of also on top of that like my parents not really cooking or like knowing how to cook and like that was I mean they are both um you know disabled and so like they're they're just like emotional and mental and physical resources were just limited and so you know it really just all came to like eating out of necessity which is absolutely valid and something that I still do like I love a frozen meal you know um and I I once I kind of got into my 20s and was living on my own and then also living with roommates I learned um like that there are ways to feed myself differently that felt um different for my body I guess and I didn't really understand cooking as an act of like self-care and um like the the memory that stands out to me the most that really kind of started it all is that I had a roommate who like made like broccoli tacos for me once and I was like this is so delicious and nourishing and also very easy to eat Mm -hmm. and like cook and I was just like I my my mind was just blown about how like easily the meal came together and I was like wait like how do you like how do you cook vegetables at that point I had like never cooked a vegetable other than like 
maybe a frozen vegetable in like a stir fry or something, which again, a great option. I still do that, you know? Um, but there is, there was, I learned that there was something very comforting and meditative and just like caring, um, about like taking the time to make something for yourself. Um, and then just like seeing the way that vegetables can transform depending Mm -hmm. on like how you cook them or what you season them with and seeing just like the amount of meals that like can be made, um, by just using like relatively simple ingredients like things just don't have to be as um complicated as I think sometimes people think when it comes to cooking um and then on the other side of that like once I kind of learned that cooking was a way that I like to take care of myself I also learned that cooking was how I love to take care of other people um you know and because I think just in general um you know, gathering and being around a meal is just such a, like, connective opportunity and, like, in a lot of ways brings people, um, you know, there's, like, trust built around food. It's, like, you know, I'm making you this meal and you're trusting me that it's, like, not going to make you sick. It's not going to, um, you know, be too hot or too salty or, you know, like, it, there's just like so much care that goes into making a meal for someone and you know that in and of itself was really healing to me and being in a group of friends that like had a weekly soup night and we all just like gathered around a bowl of soup and just like we're vulnerable with each other and I was like oh like food is the the center of this like food is the heart of all of the things that make me feel good um and so uh, starting to write about that and following that through line um, just like felt really, really, uh, I don't know, exciting to me and uh, helped me reflect more on like, you know, cooking as a part of my healing journey. And, um, you know, even since I've written the book, like that relationship has changed in some ways, but ultimately like, it's just, to me, it's about like nourishing ourselves and others um, and being able to like let that relationship be like flexible and malleable um, depending on like time, money, resources, like availability of ingredients, et cetera, et cetera. Like, you know, there's just so many aspects to it, but um, yeah, that was a long rambly answer, but that's. No, I love that. (laughs) Yeah. I, I really love that. And I love that this memory that you bring up around um, a friend making you food is like, so pivotal to you because I think it comes full circle right from like someone making something nourishing and and like making you feel really good and then you learn you can do that for yourself and then you're like wait I too can do this for other people like I really love that also um soup nights with your friends weekly soup nights amazing (laughs) really Um, Yeah. And that just reminds me, I need to give you a major shout out for that soup matrix that you shared. Like, what the fuck changed my life? <laughs> I'm so glad. I actually need to go and like update that. Yeah. My little are you talking about like the soup database? The yes. like difficulty that I have? Yeah. Yes. You know, like that's like sometimes the hardest part about like cooking is like figuring out what to eat or like what recipe mm-hmm. to use. And it's like here's just, you know, that's, yeah, I'm, I'm so glad that you found it helpful. 
yeah i i also think like um learning how to cook can be really scary um just like not knowing where to begin or being afraid of like failing um and so with friends that I've learned or that I've taught how to cook I'm like you know like just let's follow some like really easy recipes and you're like you're gonna have to make mistakes in order to learn Mm -hmm. um but also like you know we can figure out how to make something out of out of whatever it is that you end up with if, if it doesn't end up the way that you want it to you know like um and I think that's really special about cooking that once you kind of learn and, and are able to like uh you know adapt things on your own and stuff like you really find I don't know like you find um like I guess like your own style yeah or like you know um there's like very distinct styles of cooking I feel like within my family so when I think of my grandma's cooking I think of like very homey very comforting um very spicy you know and then like I can think of another friend and completely different and so I think that's really beautiful like being able to share that with people oh I love that so much that's yeah it's really interesting like the palette of the like food that we eat from different people and like Mm -hmm. what that that's 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 a poem right there (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah that brings me to the next question when you talk about friends and like um sharing a meal with your friends and stuff I feel like you in this book you write about friends and your inner child especially with a lot of tenderness pun intended um so how has it been like to choose yourself and to choose this new family despite the childhood and the people that you grew up with Mm. yeah you know I've been I've been uh spending time in Austin with like one of my best friends and we've been just talking a lot about this of like what does it mean to like choose ourselves and surround ourselves with the people that like appreciate the things that make like us us Mm. and and you know I think like so much about like choosing a new like just having a chosen family um was really like again kind of necessary for survival because it was like if I don't get out of where I come from I'm not gonna survive this uh and there's you know a lot of a lot of privilege that goes into being able to do that and that's you know something I definitely want to name and um you know like I think I just I've always reflected on the idea that like you know I I am like so this is like gonna go a weird deep place but like I am always like I've always been very excited about like experiencing life Mm -hmm. and um, being able to um, be curious about the world around me. And I feel like I just have always been like, like I was a curious kid and I really was like really just wanted to always learn more and experience more and and that included being curious about like who I was and not like denying myself that and realizing in like, you know, growing up that like in order to be like 
who I really wanted to be like I had to draw boundaries with the people who were Mm -hmm. committed to misunderstanding me and and you know so much of that also came from like learning about my own queerness and um you know understanding queerness not as just like a sexuality but like a worldview and a politic and really being able to like begin to like dismantle the boundary or like the 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 binaries that um I feel like really existed not just in like you know like sexuality gender etc cetera, etc cetera, but also just like in like you can either be like this or like this mm-hmm. and I I just love surrounding I've I love surrounding myself with people that um can honor the multitudes of like like humanness if that makes sense like I feel like it's just um you know I a metaphor that I'll offer I guess is um there was I I had a a book reading in Austin and one of the um the moderator uh her name is Bree she's an amazing person she asked me like to take um us on like a take the audience on a tour of my book like architectural digest style (laughs) (laughs) uh which was such a beautiful question but it was really like um you know I I think a lot about like entering the book and there being this you know kind of darker room and you know there's um walls that are stained and um blinds that are closed and then when you continue to walk through the room there are these you start to see like cracks in the, in the in the window and maybe fresh air is coming in and then you go deeper into the house and there are curtains and the um you know window is open and the and the curtains are blowing in the room and just knowing that like to to circle out this metaphor it's like both of those things can exist in the same place mm-hmm. and like both kind like the dark room and the the bright airy room are in the same house they're in the same uh they're in the same place for me and I being in relationship with my friends and finding community and like learning to choose myself has been able to like honor that I can exist in that house and that both of those are experiences that can be seen fully does that make sense? <laughs> I'm like, mm-hmm. it's just very much, um, you know, a learning to like live with the, um, the yes and of everything and choosing people that can see both, uh, and all, <laughs> I guess is kind of mm-hmm. the, the answer that is like a yeah. quick answer, but <laughs> yeah, no, I love that. That's really resonating with me. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. I also think that, um, yeah, for me, when I first started reading the book, I was like, I mean, after like the first couple of poems, I was like, man, I'm thinking a lot about my mom. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, you know, definitely many, many uh, things I relate, I relate with um, within that. And I was just like, oof, like this is rough. And then, you know, the more we read the book, the more you like talk about um yeah like choosing yourself choosing your friends and I I think what you said makes a lot of sense about how can these like different aspects of my life coexist um and also I feel a lot of um I don't know like seeing someone 
setting boundaries and like knowing boundaries are very, very hard to to keep sometimes. Um, but reading about you doing that, it's like a reminder for myself that like it is something I can do as well. Um, and yeah, I really love this metaphor about the house because mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, I think that a lot of times we are taught to like think of things as very binary and I don't I don't think that the world is binary whatsoever um so yeah hardcore retweet (laughs) (laughs) sorry repost (laughs) rethread rex there you go (laughs) yeah oh I love that yeah yeah whenever I think of this book as a house I imagine the kitchen is like it's really warm and inviting greens and oranges lots of warm colors and that's really beautiful yeah wow thank you for saying that yeah Yeah. (laughs) um cool yeah so um okay I love your newsletter healing field notes love it love it love it um (laughs) I really enjoy reading your essays um, you talk a lot about pop culture, living with chronic illness, and your gender journey. Um, and I think as someone who is trying to claim the the title of writer more, I would just really love to know, like, how you got into writing generally, and then, you know, how you got into poetry. Um, just very intrigued to learn. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, you know, I it's it's interesting how I got into writing because so much came it came out of like a very therapeutic place um Mm -hmm. I um you know if you read the book you'll probably realize I had a pretty rough traumatic childhood um and um I was hospitalized um for like a mental health crisis for the first time when I was in the sixth grade um and I was there for like you know a week or whatever and one of the parts of treatment was like art therapy and I just like started writing um and it's interesting because this is something I'm talking a lot in therapy right now like the fact that so much of um me speaking and being heard as a kid was like not an experience that I had um and so like the only way I knew how to process my like inner emotional landscape was like through writing and the only way I felt heard was through writing and so um once I kind of opened up that portal through uh like art therapy like it just never stopped um and a lot of it you know I had my like tumblr era of posting all my weird poems on tumblr and like posting I'm sure you can well I was going to say, you could probably find me on YouTube reading some weird ass poems, but God, do not. um but yeah like you know it just writing was kind of always something I did but then um I like didn't understand it as something that I could actually pursue especially because I had you know some family members that were very like anti-creative like as a career they were like you that's not something that you can do like you know very very boomer energy um and I for a long time I like abandoned it as like a as something that I um 
did and I I did do like photography and visual art like I've just always been a in general a creative person um but then I I when I lived in Kansas City there was a, a point where I was writing a lot and writing a lot of poems and I was actually like dating this guy um that was like it was actually like I think back about it and like was really cringe I but I was like <laughs> I read you one of my poems um I'm, like anyway he was like this is actually like pretty good like you should go to like an open mic or something and I was like hell no I'm not doing that like not even a little bit but then I did um and it was nuts because the first time I went like all of my friends showed up and it was really cute really supported and I went the open mics were on a Wednesday and I went one Wednesday and then I went every Wednesday for the next four years um and ended up like running that poetry organization for three of those years um and so I I didn't realize kind of similarly to my relationship with food it was once I realized the communal aspect of it is when I was like oh like this is this is for me this is uh writing is what makes me feel like me um and then like also through being in poetry community um because yeah being going to that open mic it was a poetry open mic and that's specifically like how I like started doing like performance poetry but poetry was kind of always the thing I just uh resonated with my the first poet that I really ever um like felt really seen by was uh Andrea Gibson and uh I remember going to a show of theirs in Lawrence Kansas I sat like literally right in front of them and I was like I want to make someone feel one day the way that this poem is making me feel and that was just like kind of my like guiding light for a while um and then when I just started performing I it was like through the poetry community that I like learned language for like gender sexuality like I learned so much in community and I learned so much about writing excuse me writing and craft and it just so like I feel like I have said this a lot anytime I'm asked about the book but like this book would not exist without like writing community and like being in workshops and um you know despite the pandemic being devastating like there were a lot of amazing online workshops that um that the that this book was written in in a lot of ways and so um but also through with with the connection of the newsletter also realizing that like poetry couldn't hold everything that I wanted it to and Mm. I really wanted to um allow myself more um kind of space and uh depth to explore topics like in a little bit more nuanced of a way or even like in a less like metaphorical way like I just want to write the thing how it happened and not try to find a pretty way to say it you know Mm -hmm. um and so yeah it just that's I guess kind of the journey It, it it came out of like emotional necessity and then like it turned communal and then now it's like again kind of full circle of like it's Mm -hmm. uh it's but it's just kind of always been about um learning to like understand myself and the world around me more and I do want to say if you are writing you're a writer you can claim that like that is not something that people who just 
have a book or have work out in the world like if you write you're a writer and so I really want you to like hold that for yourself and anybody who's listening that is a writer and writing like you are a writer (laughs) needed to hear that hell yeah (laughs) yes um I yeah I definitely um relate to writing out of necessity and I remember I used to have a bunch of journals um from when I was in middle Mm -hmm. school and I like got rid of them Uh, (laughs) yes yes like really devastating so do you do you have journals from when you were younger do you keep them did you also get rid of them and are like I don't um you know I I recently moved um and I and my parents also recently moved and so some weird stuff that I didn't know that still existed got unearthed and so I do have some journals I actually have like a in high school I was really into collaging um Mm -hmm. along with like writing and um I have like a a book of like my collages in my um and some of my poems from like high school and I have I do have like quite a bit of journals but I also like when I was moving I was flipping through some and I was like I don't need this anymore like this is actually (laughs) this is actually like more sad than it is like yeah. cool to read back on like it's almost like heartbreaking to like see the state I was in and so in mm-hmm. some ways it like was very cathartic to like release it but mm-hmm. I had I not to like make that active decision of who like with who I am now like I couldn't have, yeah I I have so many friends that are like wow I wish I had like some of the things that I had and like I think that's the the thing about me is that I just I well I come from a home where my my mom is like a low-key hoarder and kept everything. And so I also kind of kept everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so, you know, sometimes it's a blessing and a curse. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I know you talked about like um, having writing community um, specifically, like being able to like go to these like poetry nights and and whatnot like how did that change with COVID how did you find community online yeah I mean god what a devastating situation yeah I mean so when I you know when I lived in Kansas City I um I just went every Wednesday and then it was great and that was just what it was and then I moved to Austin and um the poetry community um is different here in a way that is like not in a bad way it just was different and mm-hmm. um it was very focused on like slam which is just like something that I kind of realized I wasn't super interested in and so in a way uh with COVID like because I lived in Austin it was an invitation to step away from like the competitive side of poetry and luckily because of well despite that like because of the poetry community that I had been in for the last four years like I knew a lot of poets and um one of my um, favorite writers and I would consider her um a mentor her name is Desiree Dal Giacomo she started a um like she was a a writing teacher in like schools and you know school shut down and so she was like what am I going to do? And so she started teaching writing workshops online uh, every Friday. And I just went every Friday. She, they were like, they were like $10 a workshop or something like that. They were like just drop in workshops and she just taught them every Friday. And, um, you know, 
if it wasn't for those workshops, like, I don't know if I would have like been okay <laughs> in, in the pandemic. And, but it did allow me to re like kind of shape, uh, or I guess re acclimate my understanding of like what like poetry meant to me, because going from being in such like a highly competitive environment, which like, when you think of like poetry and competitive environment, you're like, what? That's <laughs> weird. Uh, and you're right. It is weird. Um, and I I love that people love it. And it was a, a welcome opportunity for me to move away from that style of poetry and um, rediscover like writing more um, slowly and intentionally and um, just like, yeah, with like people and not just like to get the best score I possibly could. <laughs> I feel like I, I talk a lot of like, smack on slam but it really is like not <laughs> a bad environment but it is I do I do think like ultimately I'm glad that I was able to uh shift away from that type of writing for myself so anyway mm -hmm. and you know COVID is still a thing and being yep. on tour is not something I'm doing uh uh mindlessly like it's still very much a it's still a, a finding writing community within the you know viral landscape that we're all living in is like it's it's difficult but it really having that virtual community has like been huge for me and like Instagram and finding writers on Instagram um yeah just love the internet <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah oh thank you for that yeah, thank you for asking. I feel like I talk so much. So if you if you ever if you're like Sam, no, no. that's what we want. Not at all. <laughs> I'm like, uh huh. Uh -huh. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Great, 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 great. Um, my next question for you is that. So for me, I am also currently living in the Midwest. Um, I didn't grow up here. I grew up in Texas. Um, but I've lived here since 2019 and um, I was 20 then I'm 24 now and obviously I spent all of the pandemic here so I feel like I've grown up in a lot of ways as one does in their early 20s so I just wanted to ask like what did you love and hate about growing up here and how did it influence until tender mm. Mm. oh I've been thinking so much about my relationship to place um and you know anyone who knows me loves knows I love the Midwest and I don't think it's been really until recently that I realized um how much it influenced me I think like there is a slowness to the Midwest that I don't think a lot of people understand until they are there <laughs> mm -hmm. um, you know even if you think about like like yes St. Louis and Kansas City are like technically like quote-unquote big cities but like nothing compared to um you know Austin LA New York whatever like mm -hmm. just Chicago like it's just it is a different pace and I don't think I realized until I moved away from it how much that pace had made itself <clears throat> excuse me that pace had made itself so uh like it influenced my internal pace <laughs> you know like I find that when I am around 
when I am in bigger cities and if I'm in traffic or if I'm in big uh, crowds, like my body just feels uneasy. And I mm-hmm. think so much of that is because of um, just the, you know, the cadence of the Midwest. Mm-hmm. Um, along with that, something that I know I'm very, that has very much influenced me is like the way the seasons change in the Midwest. Mm-hmm. And the way that like the out the just the outdoors shift and like the the produce that's available and um you know just what how the outside reflects often what is happening like inside my body like the mm-hmm. feeling of like as fall comes and it does get cooler like the um the like internal invitation to slow down and um make warmer food and be um just like in kind of hibernation mode as opposed to you know summer where it feels very um hot like fast paced and busy in a way that um you know we're I feel like often eating food that is more um you know that is quicker that is cooler like we're eating sandwiches salads like cheese like grapes like you know like berries like all of these foods that are very much Mm -hmm. like grab and go and like not um necessarily things that have to simmer or saute for a long time um like I feel that the way that the the food is I feel like is just also how like my body is in the midwest Mm -hmm. um and I really especially like living in Texas for a while I was like oh I need those clear changes in season to like understand like my experience almost um and generally too like I just find the midwest like hella charming (laughs) like (laughs) like there's like at least in in St. Louis and Kansas City like things are old and the buildings are uh preserved more in a way that I don't find in a lot of other places like my Mm -hmm. house was built in 1891 and Mm -hmm. it is the original brick and the original floors that were built it in that time and so it's Mm -hmm. like I really um struggle with like being in places where I can't visually see the history um and obviously you know there's there's history that has been erased that um is like something that I think we have to dig for a lot of the time um but being able to see um you know paint on brick buildings that showed what the building was you know when it was like first built in whatever year it was like I just I really love being able to like feel um the the history of a place and it really makes me think about origin stories and like where we come from who came before us all of those things and I think you know that shines through in the book is like what I'm always just kind of thinking about like where we come from what makes us who we are now um and growing up in a place like the Midwest like that stuff was kind of like all around me um and was something that I was able to take note of more than I think I've experienced in a lot of other places so yeah I feel like you saying that is making me think about living here in such a different way. I feel like I really agree with like, especially the change in season, how I feel like I haven't really, living here has really brought that out. And like, I can, I feel like my body and like 
the things around me like very clearly changed throughout different times of the year and um and like with the old houses too like my house that I live in was built in like the 20s so it's just like just like an older just like a slower way and like yeah I feel like I live in Indiana and like a lot of things are there's it's like a lot of charming things that you wouldn't expect and people think of the Midwest as like a flyover region of like the country but there's just so much like so much things you can discover here that and so much community to discover here that people don't really know about um yeah, yeah. Oh, I love that I love Indiana yeah. I yeah. have bikes <laughs> and the first time I ever went there was in this little town where they have like the world's biggest everything there's like the world's what town biggest- is it do you remember don't remember but it's the one that has like the world's biggest like rocking chair and knitting needle <laughs> that's so silly and there's like the the world's biggest mailbox and it's just like like this is that is a midwest thing mm-hmm. or like in ohio there's a building that looks like a basket like like there's mm-hmm. just like the i yeah the midwest is like so goofy and i love it yeah <laughs> yeah yeah Oh my god, Glory, we have to figure out where that is so we can go next time. I, go I know. <laughs> I bet I could. I'm going to do a quick Google. I'm like, okay. And that's also the world's largest wind chime is there. Um, oh, whoa. And Perfect. It's, it's in. Oh, yeah. Hold on. Wait, where is it? I'll find it. I'll find it. And I'll, oh, yeah. Casey. Oh, it's not in Indiana. Just kidding. Oh, no. Oops. I thought it was Indiana. Oh, my God. That's the other thing about the Midwest. It's like sometimes it all blurs together. <laughs> yeah. It's actually in Illinois, but That's the Midwest. I do feel like I also there was something cool in Indiana that I saw recently. Anyway, it's the world's largest birdcage is also in Illinois um, and barbershop pole and golf club and wooden shoes and golf oh tee <laughs> so they have ever they're also the world's largest taco there's just you know everything. <laughs> that's, that's that's like the west yeah that is like american ingenuity <laughs> like uh yeah i really in indiana i really love like just like the small towns that are just so charming like Columbus, Indiana is one of my favorites. Uh, like if you've seen the movie Columbus, yeah, um, yes, oh, it's so good. Um, and then I love like the dunes up north, and then like the really hilly, like big forest region down south, and yeah. Amazing. Yeah, I mean, I feel like there's a reason why people love the show Parks and Rec so much. Like literally, like that is yeah. Midwest small <laughs> town culture is like, <laughs> yeah. everybody like knows everything about each other and everyone's weird and quirky and like Mm -hmm. it's yeah I mean you know every region has its like Mm -hmm. own issues um but yeah the Midwest is I mean there's a reason why I say like I think a Midwest sunset is better than all sunsets because (laughs) I I think that I just think that the way that the earth is positioned and the way that the sun hits the clouds makes the most colorful sunsets in the midwest and so so true yes (laughs) and next year indiana well most of the u.s but indiana will be in the total path for the solar eclipse so that's so excited (laughs) whoa (laughs) wow yeah (laughs) okay Uh, 
we're coming up on our last question then we have some rapid fire for you um (laughs) so um would love to know what you have learned about yourself since writing your book and putting it out into the world Hmm. yeah you know I so much (laughs) um you know I something that I was really nervous about before my book came out was um being like misunderstood (laughs) um when in fact I hearing people talk about the book and reflecting the book back at me I actually am being understood in ways that I didn't know that I could be even by complete strangers um and that has been very wild um because I learned that I expect the worst (laughs) generally and how I um think I need to you know maybe give myself more opportunity to expect um joy first um and I think I've also learned that um you know I I've been really fearful that um you know this is I I feel like a lot of creatives are like okay this is the this is the big thing I created uh and now uh that's it (laughs) like I create like you know sometimes I'm like I'm afraid I'll never create anything again um but I think that I I'm realizing that like creativity for me and just like snowballs onto itself and it's like if I'm creating I'm going to keep creating type of thing um and you know it's been very cool to like read these poems out loud and and hear people's reflections of the poems back and then being like oh there are even more threads to follow like there are not um like this this book while it is you know in a permanent form as a book um, that doesn't necessarily mean that these stories are finished or that they are um, uh, in their final uh, understanding, I guess. Um, and then I also think I learned that um, I uh, really, I just really love like being in conversation about food. <laughs> if there is a way that I could talk about food all the time. Um I would. And like in a, it's so interesting because I don't really like talk about or think about food in like the, uh, I think, you know, the necessarily like cook traditional, like I'm like, if you've watched Bon Appetit, like I'm not Mm -hmm. like, I'm not like ever going to like, um, tell people how to cook food. Like I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to be on food network. Like that's just like, not me. I'm just like more interested in like talking about food as a, um as a as a you know avenue for connection and an avenue for gathering which then like snowballs into like vulnerability and creativity and being known and understood and so I just like really love thinking about like food and talking about food being like at the center of everything and kind of figuring out like I don't know learning that that's just food can be really like fun and tender and um like connective and um yeah I guess those are kind of the things I'm thinking about right now uh now that it's in the world (laughs) yes amazing oh well are you ready for some rapid fire questions let's do it okay do you want to kick us off Glory okay 
a pop song that is bringing me joy lately. Poison Poison by Renee Rapp. Oh. Nice. <laughs> okay, a 2000s emo song that is bringing you nostalgia lately. Mm. Misery Business by Paramore. Uh, amazing. <laughs> solid. Solid, solid. Yeah. Um, what has been your go-to snack while on book tour? Um granola and yogurt mm. yeah uh, i'm just like i'm hyper fixating on yogurt right now i don't know why but <laughs> <laughs> wait i have a fo- what kind of yogurt um you know it, it really depends but i i actually recently had like a key lime yogurt Ooh. it was like a siggy's yogurt mm. which is like a brand mm-hmm. and they had a key mm-hmm. lime i like the one issue i have with yogurt is that sometimes they can be like too sweet and like things like siggy's and like chobani has like a lower sugar option like i don't think sugar is a bad thing i just don't have the taste buds for super sweet things mm-hmm. um and so just like finding like weird flavored yogurts i'm like give me like their tr- trader joe's has like a guava mango one <gasps> and it is i love that one so- <laughs> good um and so yeah just like weird fruity flavors that I feel like I don't get very often or just like the things that I'm uh gravitating towards so love yeah oh that's me (laughs) (laughs) I'm like see now I'm just thinking about yogurt um (laughs) a word to describe how you're feeling lately uh That's so hard. Uh, the word that keeps popping into my head is like it feels cringy, but I'm like in a, like yearning. Yeah, <laughs> we'll take it's not cringe. I'm like, I'm like I'm feeling like I'm yearning. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. You have to throw a dinner party in one hour. What are you serving? <laughs> Soup, 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 and a charcuterie board. It's like, oh my god, that's so solid. Yeah, solid, solid dinner. Um, what are other themes you're interested in exploring in future books? Yeah, I really have been thinking a lot about um, like home in general, um, and like our understanding of building home and like what makes a home and like home through the lens of queerness and um you know thinking a lot about that I don't know the thing that I I I was talking to my friend yesterday about this because I do feel a a bit of anxiety about um like what is next quote unquote and Mm. um I think I have kind of decided that you know I'm not necessarily I'm not focusing on a theme. I'm focusing on a container. And I think I'm just kind of the container that I really am writing into is memoir. And I Mm. think the thing that um, just as long as I keep writing, similarly to this book, like I didn't know this book was going to be about vegetables and all of these things. It just, I kept writing into the container and kept writing about what I felt called to. And then a book happened (laughs) um and so you know the themes I think are just will will come to me and I'll just keep writing towards the thing that I feel called to and I'll keep pulling at those threads but um you know I'm just trying to fill the container of memoir and hopefully that will be what uh gets filled and put out into the other side so yeah 
Yay. Um, yeah, you can find me on Instagram at they are Sam. Um, and I would also love if you would subscribe to my newsletter, um, which you can find at samsloopski.substack.com. And then you can buy my book until tender um, at gameoverbooks.com. Um, Game Over Books is an amazing small publisher. They really care about their authors. And there are so many other amazing poets and books available on their website. They often do sales. Um, and yeah, just like support small publishers. They're awesome. Um, and yeah, I'm just, I'm really grateful for y'all. And this has been lovely. Yay. Yay. Thank you so much for coming on to here today. Yes. Uh,